looking in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read verse number 8 this morning. 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Reading from the New Living Translation this morning, 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, stay alert. Say, stay alert. Stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for the power that is in your word. Father, as we recognize the enemy of our soul today, but we recognize more than that, we recognize that greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. And we recognize that he is a defeated foe. And he is under our feet today. God, I pray your anointing to rest upon the message and upon the messenger, messenger, Lord, today. All for the glory of God we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, this morning I want to use for my subject, if I was the devil, if I was the devil. Now, I want to be very quick to emphasize the word if. (laughs) If I was the devil. To the amazement of some of you, I'm not. Now, before we address our subject this morning, I want to share some things with you that we know about the devil. First of all, this morning we know that he's real. He's real. Now, 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 to some of you, the devil, maybe you just think he's, just, he's, just a, he's merely a fictitious character made up by overzealous religious fanatics in order to scare people into conforming to their way of thinking. To others, the devil is just a myth. He's just a fable that has been passed down from one generation to the other. I say that if you think the devil is just a myth, you're myth-taken. If you'd pay more money, you'd get better jokes. No matter what you may believe, the fact remains the devil is very real. And not only is he real, but he is out to destroy your life. Jesus said about the devil in John 10 and 10 says he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Peter said in our text that the devil is our adversary, that the devil is our enemy. He said that the devil walks about like a roaring lion, looking, seeking someone that he may devour. Satan is real, and he has an army of demons behind him that is strategically, that he strategically commands and directs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 7, Paul said, a messenger of Satan was sent to harass me. A messenger of Satan. Listen to me this morning. We best not stick our heads in the sand in hopes that the devil will somehow go away. He's real whether we want to admit it or not. 
Not only do we know that the devil is real, but we also know that he's relevant. Relevant. The devil has been messing with man ever since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And just as the devil understood and knew precisely and exactly how and what it would take to tempt man back then, Satan has done his homework and he has kept up with the times and he's on the cutting edge. And you can see his work and you can see his influence in every modern, sophisticated area, venue, avenue that is available today. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 says that, that Satan is very strategic. It doesn't matter if you turn on the television. It doesn't matter if you go to the movie. It doesn't matter if you play a video game. It doesn't matter if you log on to the internet. Everywhere you turn and everywhere you look, the devil seems to be everywhere. In every opportunity, in every venue of life, you can see the influence of Satan. And the devil absolutely loves social media. Boy, how I'd like to camp out there for about three hours. Now, am I saying that that all of television and all of the movies and every video game and all of the internet, all of that is of the devil? No, that is not what I am saying. What I am saying is... That the devil is relevant, that he's up to date, and he will use anything, he will use everything uh, available to him to try and bring people down and try and destroy the life of people. I'm saying that we better keep our eyes and our ears open in everything that we do. I'm saying we better be super sensitive to the work of the devil because he is so sneaky, and he is so sly, and he is so seductive. Now, let me also say this this morning, and that is we could learn from the devil. We can learn some things from the enemy. You see, just as the devil is relevant and willing to use any and all uh, means and avenues to spread his influence, you and I, as the children of God, you and I, as the people of God, we also should use every opportunity and every avenue to spread the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as the devil is relevant today, you and I must be relevant as well if we're going to reach our generation. How do we know about the devil? Well, we know he's real. We know he's relevant. Let me suggest he's relentless. The devil is not passive. The devil doesn't have a phlegmatic, laid-back, easygoing personality. He's not quick to take no for an answer. He's persistent. When Jesus ended his 40-day fast in the wilderness, recorded in Matthew chapter number 4, the Bible says that the devil appeared to him, and the Bible says that the devil began to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when, the devil would re- or that when Jesus would refuse one temptation, that the devil would be quick to offer another, and then another, and then even another. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, it says that the devil has a snare or the devil has a trap set for man. 
Somebody said it like this. Somebody said the devil has a trap designed to fit every foot. You see, for the devil, it's not one size fits all. You see, the devil has made a study. He has studied your life. He has studied my life. He has made a study of every individual. And in his study, he discovers our individual weak points. And when he discovers our individual weak points, then he devises a particular and a strategic plan. And that strategic plan targets our weakest points. And what you're weak in, I might be strong in. And what I am strong in, you might be weak in. It's not one size fits all. We're not all the same, and the devil knows that. And he he, he analyzes our life, and he looks for that weak area, and that's where the target is on our back. Would you like to know where my weak points are? Oh, I bet you would. I can't believe you'd ask something like that. You are so nosy. (laughs) Samson's weakness was women. So guess what part of Samson's life Satan targeted? Judas's weakness was money or greed. Where did Satan Target him. Where did he tempt him? Satan has a trap designed to fit your individual foot. And he knows your shoe size. I'm not tempted by alcohol. It's not a temptation to me. I could probably trip over a beer can and get drunk. I mean, you know. It's just not a temptation to me. But there are other things in my life, other areas that are not as strong as they ought to be in my life. And that's where the devil puts a target on my back. That's where the devil zeroes in on me. He's relentless. If one thing doesn't work, he tries something else. And if that doesn't work, he tries yet something else. He's not easily discouraged, even in the wilderness temptations of Jesus. Even after Jesus thoroughly, the Bible says, Jesus thoroughly passed the test of temptation that Satan brought to him. But the Bible says that afterward the devil departed for a season. But notice the phrase, for a season. Maybe the devil has harassed you and maybe he has tempted you and tested you and tried you and you have not fallen to his temptation and you go, oh wow, I'm done with that, I'm through with that. Listen, listen, I'm going to tell you what, the devil is relentless. He will not stop, he will not quit. Amen, he will keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. Nobody is exempt from the From the schemes of the enemy. Listen, if he had the guts to tempt the Son of God, he certainly will come at you and he will certainly come at me. How do we know about the devil? Well, we know he's real. We know he's relevant. We know he's relentless. You suggest number four, he's religious. Did you know that the devil comes to church? Don't look around. 
The devil comes to church. Sometimes he even sings in the choir. When I was pastoring in Midland, I, there was a man in my church that always loved to tell me, after I'd preached something hard or, you know, or whatever, or something really tough, I, could always, I always knew I was going to hear this from him. Every time he would come up to me and say, you're preaching to the choir. Let me tell you about the choir. I know a little bit about the choir. I've seen adultery in the choir. I've certainly seen a lot of bad attitudes in the choir before. I've seen homosexuality in the choir. There's been uh, affairs between choir members before. I know about the choir. Not our choir. I'm just talking about the choir, all right? (laughs) The devil comes to church. Sometimes he even sings in the choir. Sometimes he even gets elected to The deacon board. (laughs) Pastor, you don't know what to say next, do you? Oh, I know a lot of things. But I'm just about to be 60, and there's a lot of things I just don't say anymore. And by the way, we've got a fabulous group of deacons. Amen. We do. Give them a round of applause. In fact, for the past 12 years, we've had amazing deacons. Every single man that has served on my deacon board in the last 12 years have absolutely been amazing. And I sincerely mean that. We're blessed. But it's not that way. Sometimes the devil gets on the board. The devil comes to church. Sometimes he even pastors the church. See, I just climbed the ladder, didn't I? Sometimes he even pastors the church. Because you see, just as God works through people, When God wants to speak, he speaks through a person. When God wants to touch someone, he uses somebody's hands to touch them. When God wants to give some money to somebody, he uses somebody's wallet to give it to them. God uses people. Let me tell you something else. The devil uses people. One Sunday morning, the devil literally showed up at church. And it scared the people so much that everybody ran out of the building. Everybody ran out except one elderly old gentleman. He didn't budge. And the devil came up to him and looked him right in the eye and said, why aren't you afraid of me? And the old man said, why should I be afraid of you? Been married to your sister for 50 years. (laughs) 
Somebody asked one pastor, you don't really believe in the literal devil, do you? He said, I sure do. She comes to my church. <laughs> Come on, I'm having a little fun with you, all right? Is that okay? Yeah. Satan is religious. He comes to church. He co- because he knows he can do more damage to the church from the inside than he can from the outside. We're all worried about that big old devil on the outside that he's going to do something on the outside. Let me tell you, I'm not as worried about the devil on the outside as I am of him coming into the inside and working from the inside out. Let me just tell you that the devil doesn't like what's happening at the grace place. Did you know we've grown by 100 people in the last year? Did you know there's never been more liberty? There's never been more freedom? Did you know there's never been more camaraderie than there is right now? And the devil doesn't like it. And he'll do anything and everything he can to mass up the house of God. And so if he can, if he can, he'll come in through somebody's skirt or somebody's pair of pants. If he can, he'll come into the church. Amen. And he'll disrupt and and he'll come in and he'll do everything he can to mess up what God is doing. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 and 14 says, there are false prophets in the church. It goes on to say, deceitful workers in the church who disguise themselves as apostles and children of God. What do we know about the devil? Well, we know he's real. We know he's relevant. We know he's relentless. Hey, he's even religious. But my subject today is if I was the devil. If I was the devil, what would I do? Well, I could give you 15 things this morning, but we don't have time for 15 things. So let me just tell you three things I would do. If I was the devil. First thing I do is I tell you what you want to hear. If I was the devil, I would tell you exactly and precisely what you want to hear. A wife comes home from the mall with a brand new dress. Her husband says, honey, you know, we're, we're strapped financially. You know we couldn't afford for you to buy you a new dress right now. Why did you buy a dress? She says, well, honey, I was just walking down the hall or walking down the mall. And I saw this beautiful, gorgeous dress on this mannequin. And the thought came to me, you ought to try that dress on. That looked good on you. So I thought, this, why not? I mean, yeah, it didn't hurt just to try on the dress. Well, she said, I went into the store, and I went in the dressing room, and I tried on the dress. And the husband said to the wife, said, it was the devil. It was the devil that told you to try on that dress. You knew we didn't have money for you to buy that dress, and you knew. You should have known it was the devil. You should have said, get behind me, devil. 
He said, honey, I did. And he said, woo, it looks really good back here too. I think you ought to buy it. the devil, I would tell you what you want to hear. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 9 calls the devil a great deceiver. If I was the devil, I would say to the sinner, I would say there's not really a Jesus or a devil. I would say There's not really a place called heaven or a place called hell. I would say, you don't really believe that nonsense, do you? I would say to you, all of this stuff is just made up like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Uh Uh-oh, I just punctured somebody's balloon right there. I'd say go ahead and live your life the way that you want to live it all. Party hardy, throw caution to the wind. Because this is all there is to life. There's no life after death. You live your life, you die. Your body uh, goes back to dirt and, and, and it's over. This is all that there is. So just enjoy one giant big party. That's what I would say to the sinner if I was the devil. If I was the devil, I'd tell you. Exactly what you want to hear. I would appeal to your flesh. I would appeal to logic. I'd tell you, all that churches and preachers want is your money. That's all they want is your money. All this stuff about hell and, and, and an eternal fire and, and, and judgment, all of that has been made up by preachers in order to scam you out of your money. It's all a big scam. And you're a fool if you believe it. I tell you, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. I would tell you they don't really care about you. They only pretend to care for you so that they can con you and control you and manipulate you. I'd say, okay, so the, so the Bible has been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that not even one word of it has been disproved. That just lets you know how well organized they are. Don't let them fool you. That's what I'd say. If I was the devil. If I was the devil, I would tell the sinner. If it turns out that there really is a heaven and a hell, You'll definitely go to heaven because you are such a good person and everybody knows that all good people go to heaven. So there's really not a heaven or a hell. But if by chance there is, you're safe. You're a shoe-in. You're a good person. And all good people go to heaven. If I was the devil, I'd tell you what you want to hear. For the saint, I I, I would say things like, 
it's all right, go ahead and quit your ministry. No one appreciates what you do anyway. Besides that, it's time for somebody else to step up. Time for somebody else to do it. You're tired. You've done it long enough. Surely somebody will take over when you quit. I was the devil, I'd say stuff like, you're tired. Don't stand and worship. Just sit there and fold your hands. Don't sing. It, it takes too much energy to learn the new songs. They've got a new beat. And besides, I would say, what's wrong with all the old songs? We sang them for a hundred years. You had them memorized. Now let me say, if you're unable to stand, I'm not talking to you this morning. And I tell you from time to time, church shouldn't be a test of endurance. I don't want to wear you out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about people who deliberately sit and fold their hands in some kind of protest. Remember a while ago we talked about the devil is relevant? We better learn from the devil and be relevant ourselves. There's no way ever that we should change the message. This message is the only message, and it's pure, and it's powerful. And any time I change this message, you run me out on a rail. Tar and feather me, set me on fire. The message is sacred. But the method is not. It's not. And what is contemporary today? When all the contemporary people get my age. And they try and do what they used to do, which was contemporary. It'll be old school. (laughs) I was a devil. I tell the saints, don't pay your tithe. Hey, your tithe? What? I told you all the church wanted was your money. See there? Well, you know what? I'm not going to the grocery store anymore. Because all they want at the grocery store is my money. And if you don't believe all they want at the grocery store is your money, I, I challenge you after church today, go to Albertsons. And get you a basket. And fill it up with something for everybody in your family. I mean, if you've got a, you got a baby, get some pampers. Get some formula. Get something for the baby. You got a toddler, get some kid's cereal and put it in your basket. Got a teenager? Help me out here, Steve. I'm making this up as I go. Get some candy for the teenagers. Throw in your basket. What? Pizza? 
Albertsons? Okay, get some pizza and put it in there. It's going to get smashed by everything. And put it in there. And get some coffee for Dad. And don't get any of that mamby-pamby stuff. Man, get you some bold Starbucks. I mean some real man coffee. <laughs> Bought me some yesterday. It was 12 bucks for that bag of coffee. Well, bad, I bought two bags. <laughs> Get something for mom. I mean, just, just fill your basket until it is overflowing and there's stuff falling out of the basket. And then when you get it full, then just march on out to the car with that basket full of goodies. And start putting it in your car. And that manager or somebody assigned by that manager is going to be chasing you and say, Hey, what are you doing with that basket full of stuff? What do you mean? You got all that good stuff there. It's just sitting on the shelf waiting on me to get it. What do you, what do you mean? Hey, you got to pay for that. What? All you want is money. I'll probably get in trouble with this one, but it's going to be a good one that I get in trouble with, all right? If you'll get in trouble, get in trouble fun anyway, all right? And that's the way some people do. They pull their basket into the church. Amen. They stop by the nursery and they drop one at the nursery and they go over here and put two or three kids over here. And then they, you know, then they take one of their teenagers and they put them back here in the youth room. And then they come out here and they have their worship and they have their word and they have their, their basket is full. And everybody in the family, we've got some for everybody. But then when we say we need to pay for it, oh, you want my money? No wonder the devil fights me. I'm telling you, I had to fight over this message. If you think I'm a bulldog, I have to fight sometimes to be a bulldog. I want to tell you what you want to hear. That's what I want to tell you, because I want you to like me. But I want to tell you something. I want more than I want you to like me. I want to tell you the truth so I don't have to report to God and, and, and not have told you the truth. And if I really do love you, I will tell you the truth. And the preachers that will not tell you the truth don't really love you. Now, one prayer I pray almost every day. God, help me to, to speak the truth in love. And I try to do that. I don't always succeed, but I try. That's my, that's my desire. That's my goal. I was the devil, I'd say to the saint, all right, you're going to pay your tithe, but don't pay it to the church. Why, they got a hundred new people, Pastor said. (laughs) Man, those offering bags are just running over. Oh, really? It is pretty good, but I'm going to tell you what, the last three months, it's been money in, money out. Been right here. I'd say, give it to your kids. They need it right now. Yeah, tithe, but give the money to the kids. Or give it to your elderly parents. They're struggling. 
give it to them. Or use it for yourself. You've got bills to pay. Or I'd tell you to send your tithe to, to Dr. Superduck on TV. One more thing, then we'll move on. I wonder how this would work. I wonder if I went to McDonald's, which I'm not. I, wish, I wonder if I went to McDonald's and got me a Big Mac and a large order of fries and an extra large Diet Coke. I got that food, and I ate that food. And then I walked across the street to Burger King. and said, here's the money for the food I got at McDonald's. Now, Burger King would be pretty happy, wouldn't they? And Burger King would say, God bless you. I know this is God. How many know if you eat at McDonald's, you ought to pay at McDonald's? You eat at Burger King, you ought to eat it. You ought to pay at Burger King. Amen? Amen. When people leave our church and move to another city, it takes a while for them to get another church, find another church. And so a lot of them, if they're real faithful tithers, they'll send their money back to the, to the grace place. But I tell them, once you get settled in a church, don't send your money to the grace place. Because you're eating in Albuquerque. And you ought to pay in Albuquerque. Yes. Amen. Sure preaching good this morning. Amen. If I was the devil, I'd say to the saint, you don't need to go to church every week. I mean, you work hard, you're tired, you need your rest. You'll go next week. For sure, you'll go. If not, uh, the week after, for sure. If I was the devil, I'd tell you just exactly what you want to hear. Let's move on this morning. If I, if I was the devil, I, I, I'd only show you the glamorous side of sin. Hebrews 11 and 25 says the pleasures of sin are temporary and they are fleeting. If I was the devil, I... I'd show you how much fun you could have drinking and, and taking drugs and participating in illicit uh, sex. I'd saturate commercials and movies and billboards with, a, with all of the glitter and all of the glamour of sin. Oh, I would dress it up and I would paint it with bright, bold colors. And I would promote it with young, good-looking, attractive, cutting-edge people. And I would make it look appealing and I, I would make you feel like you were the only one that wasn't involved. And I wouldn't show you the dark side of sin. I wouldn't let you see the seedy, degrading, demoralizing side of porn houses with men sneaking around in disguise. 
I wouldn't let you see the heartbreak of divorce or, or the innocent children that get hurt and become emotionally scarred and damaged for life because of the sin of the parent. I would blind your eyes so that you couldn't see those dying of lung cancer or cirrhosis of the liver or AIDS. Oh, I wouldn't allow you to see inside of the mental wars. Oh, oh, that house, those that have fried their brain on drugs and alcohol. Oh, oh, no, sir. If I was the devil, I'd only show you the glamorous side of sin. And if I was the devil, I'd promise you what I couldn't produce. I'd promise you whatever I thought I had to promise you in order to get you to do whatever it is I was wanting you to do. And why not? Why not? I am a liar. I am a liar. In fact, I'm the father of lies, the Bible says in John 8 and 44. Oh, oh, it's easy to detect when I'm lying, when my lips are moving. You can be assured I'm lying. I'd promise you happiness. I would, I would promise you fulfillment. I would promise you peace of mind. Oh, I would promise you popularity. Oh, I'd promise you a high and a rush that only I can produce. Oh, if you'll only follow my lead, I would say to you, I can take you places you've never been before. I can give you experiences. Oh, I can give you a rush like you'll never ever feel or experience any other way than by following after me. Oh, and I'd promise you You won't have to pay the consequences of sin. I would promise you, you're not going to get caught. The cops aren't going to discover it, throw you in jail. It's not going to happen. She's not going to get pregnant. You can fool around, you can have sex. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. You're a prude if you don't do it. You're missing out if you don't do it. We won't get caught. It won't hurt anybody. Nobody's going to find out. You won't get pregnant. Go ahead. Nobody will ever know. I would promise you what I could not. That's what I would do if I was the devil. Musicians and singers get in place real quickly and very quietly this morning, please. My question to you today is. Have you been listening to the devil? See, for most of us that are seasoned saints that have been walking with God for a long, long time, the devil doesn't entice me and say, you know, you ought to go get drunk, man. And you ought to get some. You ought to smoke some weed, man. Have you heard about how that is? It's some weed. I don't even like the weeds that are in my yard. Come on. 
but he does come to me and tell me sometimes, so-and-so's against you. So-and-so's against you. They're working behind your back. Hello? See, the devil has a trap designed for everybody's foot. Maybe he's talking to you and telling you that, you know, maybe this really isn't real after all. Maybe it's just what's been handed down to you. I don't know how the enemy is working on you, but I'm telling you that if he doesn't have you, he's working on you. And if the devil ain't working on you, that means he's got you. Have you been listening to the devil? Have you allowed the devil to influence how you think, how you feel, how you live? James 4 and 7 says to submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's two things that we are told to do here. Now most people take that out of context and most people only quote the latter part of that verse and say the Bible says I can resist the devil and he will flee from me. So why after resisting the devil doesn't he flee from me? Because you've only done half the verse. The first part of the verse says submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit means to turn your whole life over to God. For his will to become your will. Say, God, here I am, lock, stock, and barrel. Here I am from head to foot. Lord, here I am, God. I am totally and completely yours. Do with me as you wish. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Then and only then, resist the devil. Resist the devil. To resist means to withstand. It means to hold somebody off. It means somebody's trying to attack you. It means somebody is coming at you. And you don't just stand there passive. But no, you resist. You stand against. You guard against. You use your weapons. Amen. You use your authority. And you stand and you rise against. And you make your declaration. And you resist him. You withstand him. You you will hold him off. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Dads, he wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your children. He wants to steal your home. Are you going to submit to God and resist the devil? He's not passive. We best not be passive. It's time that we submit ourselves to God and then we stand, stand against, resist the enemy of our soul. Would you stand with me in His presence today, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Father, I just pray today that you will take. Lord, the word that has been shared, 
this morning. God, I fought this message Even through worship, I had to fight through this message. But I know, I know, this is the word for this time. Let's wait for an interpretation. If there's not an interpretation, we'll move on. No more tongues. We're waiting for an interpretation. So we wait in the presence of the Lord. If the Lord gives you the interpretation, you'd be quick to give it, or we're going to move on this morning. Amen. I believe that's a word from the Lord today. I believe that's exactly. Now's the time. Now's the time. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this place today, nobody leaving unless you have a crying baby. Otherwise, you're, you're standing reverent right now. This is, this is the most important time of this service right this moment. People are making decisions right now. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and no one is looking about, no one's leaving, no one's stirring around, nobody's making commotion. The Holy Spirit is at work today. The Holy Spirit did an incredible work during the ministry today. He spoke during the ministry. And he's speaking to hearts right now. You have sin in your life. You have sin in your life. I'm not going to call you out, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but you have sin in your life, and you know you need to deal with it. You need to get it under the blood right now. I want you to lift your hand in this room real high. Lift it up high. I have sin in my life. I understand. I recognize I have sin in my life. Lift it up real high. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. How many others this morning? You need to lift your hand. I have sin in my life. I have sin in my life. I need to deal with it this morning, right now. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. How many others this morning? Thank you in the back. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty today. Thank you for your honesty. I want you to repeat this prayer with me this morning, not praying from just your lips, but praying from your heart. Those of you that lifted your hand, this is your prayer, but everybody is praying it, so no one is singled out this morning. Everyone pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I recognize that there is sin in my life. And I confess that I have sin in my life. I ask you to forgive me today for this sin. I pray that you will empower me today today. 
to overcome this sin. Help me to live a life above sin. I give my whole life to you today. I stand against the enemy of my soul. Thank you for peace in my heart right now. Thank you for forgiving me today. In Jesus' name. Your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed today. How many in this room would lift a hand and say, The enemy, Satan, the devil, is attacking me and my family right now, and I've had enough of it. And I'm going to deal with the devil today. Can I see your hand all over this room? All over this room. The devil's been attacking my, my family. And I've had enough of it. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm going to leave in God. I'm going to resist the enemy. I'm going to submit to God. And I'm going to resist the devil today. 